This is Weekly Signals Interviews, broadcast every Tuesday morning from 8 to 9 on KUCI, 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. The release of Project Censored Yearbook, the news that didn't make the news, has developed into a national alternative press event, informing the public, advocating for independent journalism, and striving to spark debate on current issues involving media monopoly. Project Censored is a media research program headquartered at Sonoma State University. Every year, the project tracks the news published in independent journals and newsletters from these, Project Censored compiles an annual list of 25 news stories of social significance that have been overlooked, underreported, or self-censored by the country's major national news media. Our guest today, Peter Phillips, is the director of Project Censored. He is an associate professor of sociology at Sonoma State University, known for his op-ed pieces in the alternative press and independent newspapers nationwide. Peter Phillips, welcome to Weekly Signals. Well, Nathan uh, and Mike, thanks for having me on. This yeah. is, we were, we were pointing out earlier to our listeners, this is your third appearance on Weekly Signals, and, you know... E- each time it gets better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. As far as the, the underreported stories now. Now, you've been doing this since uh, 1994. At least Project Censored has been putting out this yearbook since 1994. That's correct? Well, actually, no, that the project's been going for 30 years. Ooh. Uh, Carl Jensen did it for 20, and uh, after his retirement, I was director in 96. So this is my 10th year. So I, I was wondering, in, in all those 30 years, the, uh, is, is this year, uh, the 2005 year, uh, as far as underreported stories go, does it, does it stand out for any reason, or is it pretty much what you'd expect from the other years? Well, as media is consolidated... And we're now talking about 10 major media corporations in the U.S. Uh, the stories look so very similar that we have absolutely no trouble finding very important news stories that aren't covered by those 10 big media groups. And unfortunately, 85% of the people in the country get all their news from those 10 sources. So it's become a very narrow playing field of who's handling the news. Uh, in fact, you know, if you look at the board of directors of those 10 corporations, there's only 118 people. Um, they, in turn, sit on the board of directors of 288 national and international corporations. So we're talking about corporate America yeah. um, running and, you know, kind of a top-down news service for what they want the American people to hear. So, so in one way, your job has actually gotten easier over the years because there's so... Yeah, unfortunately, it has. I was going to say depressingly. We monitor some 800 websites and 200 different publications, and we have over 200 faculty and students at Sonoma State University do this annually. So it's thousands of hours of work, and um, we post stories now monthly on our website that we think are important. We'll give out that web. Well, go ahead. The website is project just projectcentered.org. dot org dot org, and that'll be uh, there'll be a link uh, at the weekly signals. There already, or, there, there already is. That's true. There already is a site, uh, a link Great. at weeklysignals.com. Um, and uh, and this is exactly what was predicted, isn't it? I mean, every all, every time a, a major news organization is bought by either another big organization or a big corporation, the prediction is that this will narrow the um, the the spectrum of news stories that we're going to hear about, and that's precisely what's happening. That that seems to be the, the direction that's moving. Um, 
we went, you know, when the project started 30 years ago, there were 50 major media corporations in the U.S. Yeah. So this has been a very rapid process. And Ben yeah. Beck-Dickian, who wrote his book, Media Monopoly, in the early 80s, um, and it now has five editions, and we're down to the ten big ones. Yeah. Well, let's let's start. Let if you wouldn't mind, I'm going to run through a couple at the lower end of the 25 that have sort of jumped out at me. Um, well, go ahead, Nathan. You had one. I, I know the one well, about the, the stock, the uh, little-known stock fraud could weaken the U.S. economy. Yes. I, could you talk a little bit about that? Because that that fascinates me. I hadn't quite heard of people buying the stocks that they knew were going to lose money. Is that right? Well, yeah, this is um, the the whole idea of short selling. Mm -hmm. And uh, this was in the San Antonio Express News. It was on Financial Wire. Um, And it's it's about stock exchange. Um, A healthy economy requires both equal access to liquid assets and a smooth, flexible flow of money. Um, But uh, there's this guy, um, a side of the stock market called Stockgate, which abuses, which involves the abuse of a practice called short selling, uh, as opposed to the traditional approach to investing in stocks. Um, short selling involves when a shock is about to go down in value. And uh, so these are people who are kind of betting that uh, shares of the stock um, will <clears throat> go down. When, that, when you do that a lot, there's, in fact, a reality that occurs. Short selling is a sale of stocks not owned or loaned. It's an example of buying on a margin. So this whole idea of buying on margins is threatening. It's very similar to what happened in 1929. It's 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 sort of a I'd say a Ponzi scheme, but it it is you know, as you just said, you're betting on on a, a depressed in a, in a sense a depressed business sector, a particular part or a particular company. And yeah, uh, when naked shor- when, when shorting drives drives the stock of the company down by creating more stock shares floating around the market than their actual shares. So you really you're kind of hedging this bet, and you're saying, "Here's the, it's a legitimate piece of paper that says I'm going to buy these stocks at a certain time." So, it, so it's kind of inflating the value or deflating the value yeah. of the stock in terms of the, the that kind of pricing that goes on. And this practice has become uh, w- widespread. Widespread. Yeah. Um, was there any particular case uh, last year that, or is it just in general across the whole market? Sure the authors really talked about more the, the generalities of this. Mm. Yeah. Um, and this ended up being our story number 18. Yeah. Um, and there were additional things like hedge funds, assets frozen, um, and prime zone media network. First American Scientific Corporation takes a countermeasure to stop naked shorting. So the market's concerned about this, mm-hmm. and um, they're trying to make something happen. But this is an ongoing. This is an example of paper chasing paper. It doesn't. It's, you're not producing anything. You're just. It's basically. Uh, it's it's kind of this ethereal idea that turns into money. Yeah, exactly. And that that's a, to me a relatively dangerous approach to a solid economic. Uh, 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 I remember the two business majors that worked on this. They got very excited about this story. Yeah. And, and when they wrote it up, um, and um, our evaluator, uh, Wingham Liddell, is, uh, has his doctorate in economics. And it was a very, um, very interesting story. Yeah. It's been going on for a long time. The, uh, We're it, talking with uh, Peter it, Phillips, yeah. director of Project Censored, about the, the new Project Censored yearbook, Censored 2006. And I was just going to jump up to uh, story number nine, which is Iran's new oil trade system challenges U.S. currency. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Um, 
Well, this is a story by William Clark, who actually won an award from us um, two years ago because he wrote about the euro-dollar competition in the oil market. In particular, at that time, Saddam Hussein was the only member of OPEC who had switched over selling his oil into into euros. Right. So worldwide, you know, the, all the, almost all the oil in the world is bought in dollars. Mm-hmm. So it's the New York Exchange or the British North Sea Exchange. Um, it's all in dollars. So if Japan or China, anybody's buying oil, they buy it in dollars. Hundreds of billions of dollars in the world out there, um, keeping the the dollar a, a high value because it's because so much is out there used for buying oil. Now Iran is is planning to open an oil market next spring, and the, and use the euro as the basis for for selling their oil as well, and uh, that that undermines the whole the whole um, dollar base for OPEC, um, and we're not at all happy about that. Now there are those I remember in the lead up to the war when this was floating around this this news story was out there. There were those who said that this was one of the main reasons that we went into Iraq was for this particular reason. Well, one of the first things that we did once we once Bremer was in there, we had control of the oil uh, exchange. Um, we switched it back to dollars. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, so, we used the military to go in and change the change them back. So, so Peter this, Phillips, if we yeah. want to be paranoid, we can be paranoid uh-huh. because this is one of those stories that. Never gets any traction, and it has been floating around for for years. Now Iran is in in, in interested in. Well, we can expect an invasion of Iran well, before spring. If, well, if, and yeah, that's right. That's, well, we well, certainly that's, hope not. Well, we hope not. But I mean, this is one of the some advocates for that. And there are certainly you're hearing more and more about a possible military in, uh, incursion into Iran. Uh, not not so much on the scale that Iraq uh, of Iraq, but to in order to cripple the Iranian economy. So we will we'll see. Okay. Um, there. Well, uh, this one is is out there, and I'm. Su- it does surprise me that it doesn't get more coverage within even within the mainstream media. The journalists, particularly Arab speaking journalists, are dying at a much higher rate and seem to be dying primarily at the hands of the U.S. military. Well, the that's our story number seven number this seven, year, yes. and um, what what research has shown is that the level of mortality yeah. for journalists in Iraq is as the highest in any war. That um, This was in truthout.org, and it was on Interpress. They did a story about it. Dar Jamel wrote the story, who was a non-embedded reporter. And at the time he wrote this, um, which would have been, uh, let's see, November of 2004, mm-hmm. 49 media workers had already lost their lives in Iraq. That's up over 80 now. And um, so what we're seeing is what looks like, in particular, the attack on Al Jazeera and the attack on the Palestine Hotel, um, where two Spanish uh, reporters were killed um, and others injured, were were deliberate. There doesn't seem to be any way that the U.S. could have accidentally bombed Al Jazeera um, twice. Right, and um, they had given the U.S. military their coordinates. They not only they they did that because their building got bombed when we invaded Afghanistan. Yeah, and uh, and we said, oh, that was an accident. We didn't mean to. I'm sorry. Twice um, in in uh, Kabul, but this time a single jet um, 
you know, flew in and uh, blasted the top of the Al Jazeera um, television studio, killing one of their journalists. Yeah. If anyone was interested in uh, Control Room was a document that was done, and, yeah. it, it, and it talks about this. But mm-hmm. this is – there also recently, and it's not uh, – I don't think it's in this news story. Um, there was talk uh, – there was a report of Tony Blair and George Bush, uh, a meeting between the two of them in which Bush mentioned that he'd like to see um, the Al Jazeera – Taken out. This is one of the infamous group of memos now called the Downing Street Memos, which um, Bush has was quoted as saying that uh, we should attack Al Jazeera. Yeah. Um, And and we and apparently it happened. So you know, point A, point B. It's not tough to make the connection. Although apparently, according to the memo, Blair talked him down. But it happened. There were a lot of things that happened right after this. This was in, in response to the U.S. to uh, the Al Jazeera. Well, the attack on the Palestine Hotel and the attack on Al Jazeera happened the, the, on the same day, okay. and, and that was the day that we were invading Baghdad, literally. Yeah. And the main news story in the United States at the time was the rescue of Jessica Lynch, right? Yeah. Which, which was a, was a prepackaged news story put together by the Rendon Group, which was handling the PR for the war along with Psychops, right? That's a great story too, by the way. That uh, yeah. John Rendon, uh, his uh, his involvement in sort of spinning this whole war—not just the Iraq War. I mean, he's been involved yeah. spinning wars for for Clinton and Bush the first. Yeah, this is just amazing. The, the, I'm, you know, this is the problem. We've done this three years now. I could talk with you for a couple of hours about these stories because they are just. Absolutely. Well, there are, there are 25 censored stories yeah, of 2006, and we're just skipping through them, moving up to uh, the top one. By the way, uh, we're speaking with Peter Phillips, and he's the director of Project Censored. Um, okay, well, let's uh, – the real – well, I don't know where you want to go, Nathan. Uh, is there some – That sounds uh, good. Wherever real, you want to go. The, this is number six, the real uh, oil for uh, food scam, and this is this is a good one too. The UN's been uh, – slammed for uh, oil for sco- a food scandal. We talked to uh, Ian Williams, who is reported from the uh, UN there. We, can you explain a little bit about what the real oil for food scam is? Well, it's it's really, this was actually in the, and it was in Harper's Magazine, uh-huh. yeah. and it was in the Independent at the UK, but in terms of corporate media covering this side of that whole oil scam, um, Saddam Hussein was, was selling oil um, through the United Nations, um, and then getting the money put in an account that he could draw from for what were considered vital interests. And we blocked a whole lot of, of, of that. It was part of the whole um, blockade. The sanctions program. The sanctions program of, of Iraq um, dur- during the Clinton administration in particular. Yeah. And, um, but part of the deal was that he would sell oil for like half of its value, and there would be brokers um, in Russia, in Lebanon, um, and and some and ultimately many a lot of this oil ended up in, in U.S. tankers brought to the U.S. where there was huge amounts of money um, that were siphoned off, and um, this was all under control of the Security Council, which the U.S. dominates. And we, the right wing in this country, went after uh, Kofi Annan and some of his staff for being aware of this and pro- perhaps participating in getting some of this. But it was just a drop in the bucket relative to the numbers of people all over the world that were part of this and raking in and and, and stealing literally billions of dollars. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, this this is the thing. Uh, and all and the oil, most of it was shipped right right through the Persian Gulf, right by the U.S. military, which was monitoring the Persian Gulf. We were fully aware of what was going on. We also had George Galloway on here, and he essentially described what you just described very in very similar George terms. George does yeah. a good job on this one. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and he was saying that uh, yeah, because he was accused by I believe it was Paul uh, by uh, Senator Coleman of. That was the reason he he testified in front of the Senate committee that uh, he was in front of, and that's when he turned the whole thing on okay. them. And but basically said, yeah, I mean there was some definitely was some graft and corruption involved, and God knows he made the finger money. should be pointing. But let's let's at, let's at look Norm at the Coleman, yeah, yeah let's look at the real scam, and that's what you guys have done here with Project Censored. We're going through this with Peter Phillips, he's the director of Project Censored. You can get this book. It's called Project Censored 2006. Where would you prefer people uh, go to, to buy the book? What makes the most sense and, and benefits uh, Project Censored the most? Uh, from our website directly, okay. no, no doubt about that. Okay, I mean, you can buy it in any bookstore in the country, which I think is great. We've already sold up over 20,000 books on this year's very good. Very cycle. Good. But when you buy it from Project Censored, that helps support us and keep us doing our research. And, and that's projectcensored.org. .org, and you can just go online with a credit card, and we'll ship it to you uh, this week. All right. All right. Um, well, shall we move up the list? Yeah, now? we're going up the list. Did I feel you like hit number I four? suddenly feel like the Casey Kasem of progressive radio yeah, no, here. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, well, go ahead. I was just going to say uh, number four: surveillance society quietly moves in, and this is something we've been. Uh, it seems like every week Mike and I are picking up more stories on surveillance. Uh, is well, tell us a little bit about this one. What 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 happened in uh, two thousand and five that. Uh, really makes this one of the top stories. It's number th- number four. Well, the Bush had signed into law the Real ID Act, which requires states within the next three years to issue federally approved electronic identification cards. So this was a story we'd actually talked about ten years before, yeah. this national ID card thing. Yeah. Um, but the ongoing monitoring of civilians in the United States never stopped. Stopped. Even though the DARPA program, Defense Advanced Research Project Agency, Total Information Awareness Program that John Poindexter was involved in, was was defunded by Congress. Uh, The Pentagon created the Multi-State Anti-Terrorism Information Exchange, um, which is states-run information generating um, local um, information on individuals, and they kind of circumvent Congress that way. The... We now know that Bush was signing declarations allowing continued gathering of data. The law really is pretty clear. You can't hold data on Americans for more than 90 days. Um, but private companies can. So what's happened now is, is, in particular, the big defense contractors, homeland security contracts, um, Lockheed Martin and, and, and Northrop Grumman. Northrop Grumman owns TRW, which can tell you what you had for lunch yesterday if you used a credit card. <laughs> Um, that's that is ongoing information that's literally 24 hours, uh, seven days a week, of anybody using um, communications, electronic communications in the U.S. and/or credit card processing, and then they can sell that information to the government. So all this has been going on and full um, monitoring of civilians, and 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 data mining is is what it's called. Right. And and this has come forward now that we were doing data mining. Before 9/11, um, a military group called Ready Able, operating through the, through the Special Operations Command, uh, had collected the equivalent to 
a quarter of the Library of Congress of data focusing on al-Qaeda members worldwide and in the U.S. They had mapped out before 9-11 that Mohammed Atta was the center of a, of a, a terrorist group in Brooklyn. And they tried to get that information to the FBI. They were told to stand down. Ultimately, the Pentagon told them to uh, destroy the information. Hmm. So the degrees and, and the hearings were clear. These hearings that were held in September, that the information still exists privately, but um, that the government doesn't hold it because of the three-month limitation. I, I was asked the same question, which is what privacy protections are actually left for, for you and I? Nothing. There isn't, and, that, and that's well. You're the first person that actually said it out loud. I mean, there isn't anything left. There isn't anything that isn't knowable about you well, that is protected already, by by law. Yeah, I mean, they, I mean, particularly in terms of private firms. Yeah. So if you you know you got your your supermarket club card, yeah. and um, literally that data is everything that you consume. You know how much alcohol, what time of the month it is for your wife, what, whatever is all that private information is available online. Yeah. Um, you know, and and it's sold, and that, they, they collect it because they can sell it. They sell it to other private corporations for doing focused advertising on you, and they can sell it to the government um, if they want to be able to monitor who you are and what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And and it, these these uh, consumer groups must feel like the proverbial mosquito on the iron bowl. I mean, in this sense, you know, they they they're almost laughable because they they have so few tools available to fight this and. Um, well, we want to move and, on. And while 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 they're learning more and more about us, I'm going to jump up to number one. Yeah. We're, we know less and less about them. Right. Uh, we're, we're, yeah. we're getting near the end of our uh, interviews here, but I, I do want to touch on, on number one of the uh, top 25 censored stories. Uh, it is the Bush administration's move to eliminate open government, and, and that's another thing. Well, they thing. say one thing, and, and mm-hmm. they recently came out and said that they're going to try to comply with Freedom of Information Act and have transparent government. Bush gave a speech last month about this. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, um, trying to get a Freedom of Information request through, even from Congress, um, gets nothing but rejection and, and denial if it has anything to do with national security, has anything to do with private corporations' economic interests, um, and or anything to do with critical infrastru- infrastructure of the United States. So this whole idea that we are transparent and we are a dem- democratic process, um, that citizens can find out what their government is doing, is, is, has just been rejected by this report that, that Representative Henry Waxman put out uh, 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 two years ago now, an 81-page report that got zero coverage in the corporate media, about the degrees to which um, the Freedom of Information Act has been undermined, in particular under, under the current administration. So, nice segue, by the way. That is true. I mean, they they know a lot more about us, and we know we know very little about them. And what we do know isn't pretty. That they've been willing to essentially uh, lead us into a war without uh, without the. With, well, lying to us about going into war. So. Well, that, that's almost number one on eliminate open government. What, what right? yeah. worries me so much yeah. is that when we do get information, like the, the ACLU um, was able to, through the Freedom of Information Act, acquire copies of 44 autopsy reports from Iraq and Afghanistan in 2002, 3, and 4. Mm-hmm. Now, these reports were the death certificates and autopsy reports of, of people who were held in U.S. custody and died. Right. 22 of those were, were listed as homicides. Uh, 
In fact, the descriptions, if you go on ACLU's website, the descriptions are horrendous, um, that these people were, were tortured to death. There's absolutely zero, you know, there's, there's no reason at all to reject that hypothesis. And ACLU came out with that report October 25th this year and uh, put out a press release, and over 98% of the newspapers in the country did not cover it. And this was on AP. It was available to everybody. And, you know, in the, in the month of November, there was thousands, literally, of stories about torture when that McCain bill was going through and that whole idea that, you know, the, the U.S. Senate didn't support torture and, and that. Not one of those stories mentioned this ACL re, ACLU report with the documentation that we had tortured people to death um, in 2002, 3, and 4 in both Afghanistan and Iraq. It, it, it just—it it really scares me when a story of that magnitude just gets completely ignored by the corporate media. And I do have to give credit to the L.A. Times. They did have it one time on page A4, and that was the biggest paper in the country to cover that story. And then they never mentioned it again. So, so while the, the Freedom of Information Act is uh, is getting <laughs> decimated, decimated, you yes. can still go and get yes. stuff. But the Pentagon is very, very anxious to get any current military mm-hmm. operations exempt. Yeah, while that's going on, the media is less and less inclined to cover anything. They, anyway. they're dependent on the Pentagon for content. Um, 24-hour news programs, the State Department, the White House, they're the experts, and we'll literally run their stories verbatim. That's what happens. So so you got these PR companies writing stories about Jessica Lynch and, and the falling down of the statue to create images that counter... Um, what the rest of the world is saying. Some of the best reporting right now is going on in the British press, the Independent, the Guardian, and those newspapers. Definitely. We're getting the some of the best reporting period is overseas now. Um, and uh, and also Al Jazeera, while they uh, may not be the, the best news organization in the world in terms of its uh, um, objectivity, has given a lot of uh, time and attention to a flowering of democracy, real democracy in the Middle East, and that certainly is, is an important story. We could go on and on and on, and I could, I know. This is Peter Phillips. Uh, we've been speaking with director of Project Censored. The book is Project Censored 2006. Go to our website at Weekly Signals or go to projectcensored.org. Um, every year, um, it's it's terrific to have you on, uh, Peter Phillips. It's uh, an invaluable service there, Project It Censored. really and truly is. Anyone who's interested in knowing what's going on, it's incumbent upon you to go there, get the book, and read up and uh, and be better informed. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me on. To learn more about Weekly Signals interviews, including upcoming guests, or to download the podcast, visit our website at weeklysignals.com. And be sure to visit nathancallahan.com for daily readings and feature articles. Until next week... I'm Nathan Callahan, and I'm Mike Caspar, and this is Weekly Signals.